Something that may seem obvious, but needs to be said about Dan Lanning on the recruiting trail. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked On Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks. Like, comment, subscribe, please, and thank you wherever you, wherever you listen to or watch this show, which today is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Also, shout out to LinkedIn Jobs for being the official recruiting sponsor here at the Locked On Podcast Network. And my man, John Garcia Jr., our Locked On recruiting insider here at the network, joining us today on the show. John, let's just hop right into it. The, the thing that amidst all the assistant turnover that needs to be remembered here is that your head coach is the most important person on your staff, generally speaking. How does that translate onto the recruiting front? How big can the loss of an assistant be compared to what the head coach individually is capable of as a recruiter? Well, just look at the best traditional recruiting programs in the country, whether you go Georgia now with Kirby Smart, Alabama with Nick Saban and so on and so forth, the turnover has been constant at those programs because they win so much, right? So naturally you've got to deal with replacing coordinators and positional coaches basically every single year, especially in Saban's case, yet the beat rolls on at all of those schools from a recruiting perspective, especially. So I think, yeah, when, when your head coach is known as a recruiter first, I think it changes everything. Um, it, it really enables more fluidity. It enables more um, people coming in and out of the program and, and you having sustained success there anyway, because in the immediate future, and obviously the departure of Adrian Clemens while we're talking about it, in the immediate future, Dan Lanning takes over with those key recruits, right? And right now, look, it's signing day's done for 23. We're, we're going to start checking out 2024 in, in some capacity. Uh, so maybe it's just portal guys right now, let's say, that are, are, are chief among uh, the priorities for Oregon recruiting, Dan Lanning's probably already involved with those guys, first of all. And second of all, it, it would be easy to sell, hey, this thing's going to continue rolling even without Coach Clem, props to him, good luck uh, back in New England, all that stuff. But, you know, new offensive scheme anyway under Will Stein, but the offensive identity is still going to be X, Y, Z. And when it's being sold from the head coach, whether he's a defensive guy, offensive guy, wherever his background lies positionally – it hits different for recruits, portal targets, everybody in between when the head coach is selling how you can potentially fit at program X. You you throw on, you know, the instant success Dan Lanning has had at Oregon, the brand itself, all those things. And when the head coach steps in, it, it's a pretty smooth transition. You're not going to get many recruits, especially along the offensive line, saying, hey, it was all about this positional coach. And if that's not the same I'm out on Oregon. It's it's not that simple. You get that more with other positions relative to scheme. Quarterbacks and OCs, like we saw with the Dante Moore situation, those are much more one-to-one. -one and, hey, the coach leaves and things change in this recruitment. It's not always that linear with offensive line recruiting. And, again, the time of year is actually good for Oregon because everything is sewn up for 23. 
So it's more about maintenance on that current roster and, of course, the portal if there's going to be any additions here going forward. But when Dan Lanning is, is able to bridge the gap, it helps you in a big way because he's known first, I would say, still as that head coach recruiter. When you start listing the best head coach recruiters in the country, he's starting to creep up that list and get closer to to that you know that territory that he came from down in sec country yeah that, that's what i wanted to ask you about next is it's still very early in his tenure at oregon this is his first full recruiting cycle he's had one season under his belt but just the one season obviously so there's still i, I think a lot to be determined on on that front and we could feel very differently for better or worse two or three years from now depending on how things play out but on the recruiting trail how much power do, does Dan Lanning have? How much power does that name have when he comes into uh, a kid's home or goes to campus or is at you know some camp or wherever checking somebody out? What's kind of the the moxie that he brings? Dan has always had the energetic young coach recruiting reputation, but now he's built upon that uh, from a perceptional standpoint. Of course all the schematic success at Georgia and Alabama in particular. And then now he's been able to put another layer on it to where you're like, hey, double-digit wins all the way across the country. So I think the confidence, the ambition, the boldness of his strategy is something that is landing with recruits basically immediately. Again, we did not, I did not expect Oregon to just kind of continue rolling with the loss of a, a noted head coach recruiter like Mario Cristobal I don't know how many people expected it to be maintained or maybe even improved upon basically immediately. Um, but I think that is about as tangible as it gets relative to Dan Landing. So that reputation is growing. Um, and, and again, folks are already familiar with him in certain parts of the country. And that footprint is now widening in terms of what his own name, independent of Oregon, means on the recruiting trail but you know he's a young active head coach recruiter and that means he's involved he's got his fingers on recruiting both sides of the ball key targets at every single position that's already there so now he's only building upon that reputation so yeah it's it's something to be reckoned with when you bring in a top 10 class after losing a coach like that and losing some key recruits along the way let you know let's be honest losing the number one player in the country would be devastating to almost any program. It might pull you out of that top 10 contention, but it didn't do that for Oregon. They they moved on and signed another top 10 type quarterback within you know days. So something like that, I think, shows the ambition and the execution of, of a Dan Lanning. And now it's tangible to where he's doing it at his program as opposed to being associated with other great head coaches and or recruiters. So I think that is only going to help um, give Oregon more benefit of the doubt, even though the Ducks have kind of always held that. And one one thing, too, that we've discussed at, at times on the show when talking about recruiting is the caliber of players that any coach who's who's rocking the O on a polo going to meet with a kid does have some some pedigree, right? Like that is helping Dan Lanning significantly in that He's known as a great recruiter, and then you add the Oregon label, and that creates someone who, as a head coach, can recruit well on his own. Absolutely. That's a great point. That, that oh, I don't even know – I don't know if everybody realizes how powerful that is. I can't go to a camp anywhere in the country where there's dozens of, of Power 5-level recruits and a kid not tell me, man, I, either I want that Oregon offer or, man, when I got that Oregon offer, I was so excited. I felt – 
like I had arrived. It's 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 now a national recruitment, right? Because if you're talking about kids in Texas or Florida, Georgia, the Northeast, whatever it is, when they get that one, it's like, hey, everybody in this country now recognizes me because they're all the way in the Pacific Northwest, right? So I think that branding has has carried so much weight in the recruiting process just overall. And then you get into the uniforms and then you get into the offensive reputation of what Oregon has been in the modern era in the era of, of these recruits coming up recognizing, and it carries additional cachet and weight uh, when it's distributed. So I, I think that's why the ducks have been able to maintain, you know, great talent on its roster and future rosters through so many coaches just in the last 10 years or so, so many coaches, so many different styles, different approaches to recruiting yet. And still the talent has always been right there. And, you know, the ducks are now coming off of, I don't know how many years in a row with the number one PAC 12 recruiting class, but it's, it's several, it's several years in a row at this Pretty point. Sure it's, um, I think, I think it's five. If you're just looking at the prep ranks. Yeah. Imagine, imagine 10 years ago, you telling somebody, Hey, through three different coaches, the Ducks are going to go on a five-year streak of number one classes in the Pac-12. Ten years ago, I said, what did USC, what happened? What happened to USC? Did USC you know, leave the Pac-12 or something? Did they leave? And of course they are, but <laughs> they hadn't left yet. So right. I, I think that alone is is remarkable. Um, we don't see that in, I would say, just about any other conference. Um, maybe the Big Ten with Ohio State, I think they've run away with the best class year in, year out, but it hasn't happened in the SEC. It hasn't happened in the ACC and it hasn't happened in the big 12 because Oklahoma and Texas have kind of jockeyed back and forth there. So to have basically the second most solid run of conference recruiting titles in a row, despite more coaching turnover than any other of these recruiting powers says a lot about that ducks brand, maybe the most about that ducks brand through all these different regimes. Well, it's certainly a, a test for Lanning at this point in time, who now has to hire another offensive line coach. And, and there are ramifications to losing Adrian Clem. I am bummed that he is going elsewhere. But one of you asked a most fascinating question that I will pose to John after I tell you all about FanDuel. We're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sports book in America, FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy download FanDuel now so you can bet Super Bowl 57 with a no sweat first bet you get up to three thousand dollars back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win the FanDuel Sportsbook app is safe secure and ridiculously easy to use especially for someone who's technologically illiterate like myself so join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash locked on to claim your no sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57 that's FanDuel.com slash locked on make every moment Make every moment more. Nice little alliteration there with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. So, John, this question came in on the Adrian Clem front, which a number of Oregon fans, I, I think, understandably, I talked about it more extensively on yesterday's show and why I feel like the Ducks are going to be okay and why it seems like with the hires Dan Landing has made, we should give him our trust at this point in time that he'll be able to, able to find a quality hire. It's really hard at this point in time to pinpoint names. None have been really floating around. There's no obvious targets, but... This question came in from Randall Thomas via the Twitter direct messages, which many of you know is one of the ways you can reach me with a question. If all else is equal, what would be the best recruiting region for Oregon to hire 
its new offensive line coach from. And I assume he's meaning this in a recruiting footprint. Like, where are the best offensive line kids coming from? How would you answer that? It's a great question. I think it, it probably depends on, I would say, scheme and, and the desire uh, from an offensive line perspective. Are you are you wanting to go big, more physical, or are you wanting to go more projection two, three years down the line? I, I think if it's about the beef, you probably want to go down to Texas, you know. Um, but if it's about the combination of volume and that projection, it's still the long hanging fruit of California. I mean, I, that's still the the physical base of of what Oregon has to do to maintain this this run we've talked about of Pac-12 titles. Uh, but if you combine those two states, I mean, look, more than half of the Ducks signing class from 2023 came from just those two states. So we see that emphasis and re-emphasis in the state of Texas, uh, even with the Will Stein hire, which would create some continuity if the O-line coach was was similar. But of course, California is always going to be uh, that Oregon recruiting base uh, and the whole Pac-12 recruiting base for that matter. So I do think those two would make the most sense. But look, I mean, uh, an O-line coach with chops in the Atlanta area or the Houston area or Miami or, or even the Midwest, uh, Ohio. I mean, I think all of those would make just as much sense as, as California. So um, it's usually about the person, not necessarily where the ties come from. Um, but if you are looking at it from that all even perspective, I'd kind of stick with the tradition of California, maybe dip down to Texas and, and go from there. Uh, of course, three of the five O-linemen that Oregon has brought in in this class are from the state of California there as well. One from Hawaii, the other from Florida. So again, it, it really does stretch uh, coast to coast uh, beyond the continental United States at this point. But yeah, California, Texas is generally a good way to go almost regardless of position. When you look at Adrian Clem leaving the staff and the impact that it, it could have, is there any worry because he was highly regarded, uh, of course, coming from the NFL, the Patriots asked him back. It's not like it was any NFL team. Right. It's the head coach who valued the offensive line almost above all else in terms of having a quality position coach. They had Dante Scarnecchia there for, what, 18, 20 years, something like that. Like He, he clearly – has the chops to be a great offensive line coach. And we saw that in, in 2022, his lone year with, with the Ducks on staff. But should there be any worry, you think, amongst Oregon fans about the caliber of offensive linemen that they could bring in in the future now that Clem isn't there? Or does it tie back to what we led the show talking about with, which is Lanning's going to make a hire and Lanning is also going to be involved in, in those recruitments? Yeah, and, and I'd probably attach Will Stein to some of that perception, right? Because now uh, it's a conceded effort from the very top, right? Head coach and offensive coordinator. And I think both will have hands in, in the direction of, of this next hire. But two things here in terms of the concern department. One, the timing is great, right? We talked about it earlier. Signing day is done. Not a lot of targets left, uh, even in the portal at this point, I would imagine, for Oregon until we get – to that next window come May. So you've got three months to kind of figure things out. Of course, you want to do it a little bit sooner from a schematic and on, on the roster standpoint, but from a recruiting standpoint, you've got 90 days or so till you got to really lock this thing down. And then secondly, look, there's, there's still shuffle going on with all of these coaching staffs, right? NFL jobs are still being uh, filled as, as Clem is, is a great example of, and some of these college jobs are still uh, rounding into shape. So sometimes you got to kind of await some of that dust settling before you move on. So, again, timing there, it's a it's a good situation for Oregon to be in. And then secondly, look, Dan Lanning's already 
kind of had to do this, right? We, you know, we saw it with the offensive coordinator situation. There's already been staff turnover on his side of the ball defensively that, that he's had to figure out and piece together. So it's not new. It's not something that's going to be overwhelming for a guy who values the line of scrimmage so much. And, and again, that extra layer, that new layer on Dan Lanning's reputation on the other side of this thing, instead of worrying, hey, we lost a great coach on the other side of it, coaches are going to want to coach under Dan Landing, right? Um, there's there's always there's always a movement for young coaches that have success immediately, and, and Dan is checking a lot of those boxes on top of his recruiting reputation. So other coaches are going to want to coach under a Dan Landing. So I, I do think this thing will get figured out sooner rather than later. You can play patient if you have to, um, but I think with, with the new tweaked scheme under Will Stein and, and Landing's reputation along with the brand itself – I think the Ducks will be fine here moving forward, but this is something that you're going to have to get used to. If you want to be a 10-win team every year, you want to keep winning these recruiting titles, staff turnover is just going to be a part of it. But precedent has told us in, in the Georgia, Bama, Ohio State, Clemson cases, you want to be one of these teams, you've got to survive that. And it's very attainable if the guy at the top is known for you know his recruiting prowess on top of that, just like those other coaches are. So I think Oregon's in a good spot, and I think they'll get it figured out, even though it doesn't minimize the impact of, of Clem, who obviously did a great job uh, basically immediately, right, when he got the job, finishing that 22 class, grabbing a Josh Connerly, hitting the portal hard, all of those things. I think you can still maintain it here going forward. Based on how you've talked about the loss of Adrian Clem, I think I know how you're going to answer this question, but I will ask you anyway. Is there any concern? Because Clem went to the NFL, so it's not like guys could you know transfer and go with him, right? Is right. there any concern that the offensive line commits Oregon has could look to explore their options elsewhere? I can't imagine more than maybe one guy would say, eh, this isn't the place for me anymore. Yeah, look, a couple of those – uh, 23 old linemen that Oregon just signed are already enrolled. Uh, so, so that would be tough on their end. That would be more of an instant portal situation if it was so directly tied to Adrian Clem's presence. Um, but again, those were, those are the three California natives uh, that, that signed and are already enrolled. Uh, so I think on top of that, you know, it's, it's a hassle to ask out of a letter of intent if you're not enrolled. Uh, what we just saw it happen with Jaden Rashada, Pretty unique situation that Florida nor the NCAA wanted to deal with. It's not that simple when it's just a positional coach that moves on. If it was the head coach or even a coordinator, I think from a waiver perspective, you'd have a better argument. But when it's a positional coach, uh, typically you don't see as much movement even after a national signing day uh, situation. So I, I think for the most part, uh, the Ducks will be in good shape. But yeah, the, the whole offense from, from the ground up is going to look and feel a little bit different and you tend to give the new coaches the benefit of the doubt, especially with spring football still ahead. You know, if this was after spring ball, something like that, maybe you expect a little bit more turnover, but um, in theory, the new hire will be in place before those practices get going. So he'll be able to blend and implement along with the new offensive coordinator uh, and everybody will be giving it the benefit of the doubt uh, in, in the meantime. So I think the roster is relatively safe at this time. That's how it seems to me as well. And again, going back to what we started talking the show with, it's not just the position coach who are involved in these guys' recruitment. Sometimes it, those those individuals can be the lead recruiter. They can be heavily involved. 
but a position coach or even a coordinator is very rarely the only coach involved in a kid's recruitment, regardless of, of what position that, that he plays. Last thing today with you, John. The one recruiting name for 2023 that's still hanging out there, and this, this is going to be an interesting one to follow because there's a secondary sport involved. It's not track. It's baseball with 2023 five-star tight end Deuce Robinson, which would be a, a guy I would love for Oregon to add positionally because they lost both Montevau and McCormick this year. They're a little thin, and anytime you can add a guy of that caliber – number one tight end in the class you you would want to so what's the latest on the deuce robinson front patience yeah deuce is going to take his time this is not like you said it's not a traditional recruitment this is not about which college football fit has been best for him and let's go pick one of those options Uh, that's a big part of it but it's not the only part of it with baseball being i would say an increasingly important situation to monitor it's to the point and and we're right in kind of ahead of this spring showcase season on the baseball calendar, it's to the point where folks are thinking Robinson not only can be a first round pick, but there's some early top 10 buzz uh, for him. And look, 6'6", 225 with power, folks are going to throw Aaron Judge out there. And and that's kind of what some of these scouts are talking about early on. So if there's anything in that realm of possibility, people are going to stretch and reach to try to go grab that type of talent. So if, if, the picks is higher than we're thinking, which means the money is higher altogether. It's going to be tough for a timeline to be established um, in the short term. I think he goes through these showcases and tries to learn more about his stock as we get closer to the draft. I believe it's in June uh, this summer. As we get closer to that, I think that it's going to be more of an information gathering process for Robinson as opposed to a college football decision. That said, Last time we talked to him again, he talked about trying to get out to a couple more visits before all is said and done. Him extending his recruitment will theoretically enable him the time to get out on on some extra trips, just like we saw with Josh Connerly last cycle. Uh, We saw with JT Tuimolo-Al two cycles ago. That's something advantageous. So if, if spring ball starts up, now all of a sudden maybe a Deuce Robinson wants to check out not only Oregon for Oregon, but hey, we just talked about it. New offensive coordinator, new scheme. How is that going to work? Can Will Stein have op- an opportunity to to try to lock in on Deuce, uh, which which is a big deal, right? Georgia's involved, USC, Texas. Everybody's got a more longstanding relationship relative to the offensive coordinator than Oregon. So there's clearly some catch-up needed from the duck angle. But Deuce has talked about Oregon being the first stop if he can take some extra football recruiting visits. So if that happens – it's game on for the Ducks, like we said, with with all these big big name recruits. I mean, look how crazy of a run Oregon made with Nicholas Harbor just a couple days before signing day with that two-sport mentality. Oregon's used to that. They're well-versed in it, and that pitch will be furthered if Deuce Robinson can get back on campus uh, up to UO. So it's game on if he gets back to Eugene. Uh, and I get the sense, again, that this recruitment's going to – Uh, have some time before uh, a decision comes in because the baseball stock is just kind of rising to its apex at this time. So we'll see with each showcase where the Deuce Robinson recruitment uh, heads, but there's a sense that this thing could roll on for quite some time.
Well, just a word to, to Deuce Robinson out there. Mark Wazikowski's team has just continued to get better and better and better, and they've had a lot of bats over the last couple of years, and he could become a, another strong one should he you know, wait on going pro and want to play at the college ranks. Not as if Oregon baseball is a, a bottom dweller, the opposite. In fact, they played in an NCAA regional a year ago, and hey, maybe they're just one more big bat away from getting over the hump. John Garcia Jr., our recruiting insider here at the Locked On Podcast Network. John, appreciate it as always. Thanks for having me. Appreciate everyone listening. Have a wonderful rest of your day and go Ducks.